Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews to the industry's hottest games. In episode 16, the Punchboarders talk about recent plays, head on over to a special Clef's Kickstarter corner, and review the hotness that is Root. Hi, everybody. I'm Clef. Hey, I'm your amazing co-host, Chad. And I'm Richie. <laughs> I just I just wanted to spice it up a little bit. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I don't even want to talk to say that. But... <laughs> At least I said co-host instead of like just host, right? I mean, well, all right. Well, <laughs> you, you, you are the dad of the uh, podcast. I <laughs> resent that remark. I don't even know what that means, the dad of the podcast. <laughs> We were done playing by eight. Yes, we were. We we followed the instructions. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you guys could have fun so that, you know, we could get down to work. You guys are going to be surprised to hear me say this, but Dinosaur Island is actually a good game. Because you like the theme? Well, what do you think? Slap bracelet? <laughs> okay, I did like the slap bracelet. That was... Okay, so my friend Dan Smith, the uh, co-host of Across the Board... He brought this game over, and when I first kind of looked at it, I was like, eh, you know, I don't know. It's, I don't, it's probably going to be a little bit cheesy. And then his, his selling point to me was, well, to be the first player, you get to wear this slap brace. And I was like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> that is a cool first player token. That's, that's true. I, can't, I can get down with that. Yeah. It's in, like, 90s colors too, right? Yeah. Yeah, the whole game is a very vibrant, like, 90s type of color. So it's, that's cool in that sense. But as you guys probably know, Theme is about 1% for me, and then 99% is the mechanics. Hey, that's what I'm here for, for my listeners, is to tell them if a game is good mechanically, mechanism-y, (laughs) it works well together, (laughs) whether the theme matters or not. And it's pretty cool. You have four different, I think it's four different phases that you go through where you start off by rolling these really cool clunky dice that are really nice but they have like dna on them and your object is you're trying to get certain dna and you have basic dna and then advanced dna and you're so you're using certain workers like these scientist workers to get yourself dna or then new dinosaur recipes that you're going to put into your little park or whatever and then the second phase you're buying either new buildings. It's kind of like the game where the the build your own amusement park, but it's kind of like a dinosaur amusement park. So you have um, like different rides that you can build or you can build on your board or you can have like food places. Like there was one that was called uh, Mex Rex was the name of the restaurant that you could build on your board. So I don't know, kind of cute, cool. Do the dinosaurs attack? Yes. Okay. Yes. Keep going then. I'm, I'm interested. You're still now. listening? Okay, because the dinosaurs <laughs> She wants attack. to know if he can be somebody that eats people, basically. Um, yes, can I be a dinosaur? You, uh, no. <laughs> Here's I make what... it so that other people, workers, get eaten by dinosaurs? No. Isn't there some mechanism where there's a danger thing where you get a lot of meat eaters and then people come into the park and they have more of a chance of being eaten or something like that you have you have a threat level and so every time you make a new dinosaur your threat level goes up and the higher you know so the more dinosaurs you have the higher your threat level is so then you have to balance that with security if you're ever at a point where you have higher threat than you do security then the dinosaur eat your people that come into the park i have heard though that there is like a pretty 
proven I could be wrong. I'm just hearing this. I haven't played it, but there's a pretty proven strategy where you can kind of just not care so much about the threat level and build up big on meat eaters kind of because it, it's not as punishing as you would think. And is that, did you find that to be the case? You only have one play of it, right? Uh, no, I've got two plays of it. Uh, you, one kind of nice thing about it is is the objectives that you have in the game, you can play either a short game, which I won't recommend. It's way too short. You can play a medium game that's a pretty average game, and then you can play a long game that would obviously make it very long. I played the short game the first time because it was pretty late when we started to play it. Uh, and then the next time we played it, we played the medium game. And I thought it was just right, but I always had my security high enough where I didn't. Now I got a building that let me like kind of move my security up for free because it can get pretty expensive to move your security up. So maybe that's what they're talking about. Uh, I ended up winning, so I didn't have any issues with that being the case. I don't know. I just, I thought it was just really neat. You know, you've got different things that you're building you're getting these dinosaurs, you've got these, you know, meeples that you're pulling from the bag, and you can also pull hooligans. And when you get a hooligan, not only do they not pay to get in the park, but then they don't give you any victory points when they're in the park. So it's, you know, it's got a little bit of that in it. Can you send hooligans to other people's park? No, this is a Euro game. You're playing your own game. game. <laughs> I'm going to summarize for our listeners, though. Slap bracelet. Plus, Clef winning equals good game. So, there you go. <laughs> yep. I resent that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you guys been playing anything new lately? Well, I've been playing uh, I've been playing Detective a little bit. The Ignacy Trevichek uh, game from Portal that's kind of an upgrade almost to Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I, I, I'm... I'm interested and I'm enjoying it, but I think I'll save my thoughts as maybe that'll be something we'll review down the road. We'll kind of see. But what about you, Richie? I've been playing the how many coats of paint does it take to cover up a brown stripe in your bedroom? Hmm. And What's this how, brown stripe? How many, how many does it take? <laughs> Four. And you can still kind of see the stripe. So it's begun, fellas. The house project payback for the elf years has started. And hey, we started with painting in the bedroom, and I uh, hate painting. Our listeners demanded elf ears. We had to give it to them. It's really not a fair trade-off because <laughs> it was used in those elf ears for maybe thirty seconds. Yeah, that one was photo. Really short. And four, literally four co- coats of paint to cover up this brown stripe from the previous owner of this house. Okay, and I so still stop, have more. Stop, work to stop, stop right here, Richie. Okay. Why is there a brown streak in your bedroom? Right, and he doesn't even know how it got there, and it's from the previous owner. That would make me nervous. <laughs> what? <laughs> we do call it poop strike. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, just our, the the woman that we bought the house from hates us, and she put a large brown stripe that goes through the middle of the room all the way around it. And, you know, when you're looking at houses, they always tell you, oh, it's just paint. It'll take no time over to, to fix yeah, that. He was painting it. No, it takes forever. Huh. Mm. Well, it was well worth the elf years. Uh, yeah, I, I still <laughs> think it was worth it. Yeah. So, <laughs> But in between painting, we did get a play of uh, Blue Lagoon in. Mm, the new okay. uh, Reiner Knizia f- uh, that's being put out by Blue Orange Games. And have either one of you played Through the Desert? No. At all? Uh-uh. No, I haven't. It's another Knizia. Uh, it's kind of like that, just a little lighter. And also faster, for sure. So in the first, the game is broken into two phases. In the first phase, you have this little uh, archipelago. And on your turn, you have uh, two pieces that you can lay down, either settlers or villages. And they're these little tiny huts that are actually pretty cute. You either place the settlers on land or in the sea. 
and then next person goes and they do the exact same thing. And then you keep doing this until either all of the resources are taken from the board or if you've laid out all the pieces. And then after that happens, you score the first half of the game. And so you get points for majorities on the different islands and you get points if you are on all eight islands or if you're on seven islands. Uh, you get points for the resources if you have three of, of a kind, four of a kind, different things like that. And then they have these little brown uh, statues. If you pick those up, those are like worth four points apiece. So after that, you take off all of your settlers, but you leave your little huts behind. And then in the next half of the game, you do the exact same thing, but you have to start from your huts. And then after you lay out the last piece, you score again the same way. And then whoever has the most points wins. And it's actually a pretty good little filler. It, like I said, it, it's like Through the Desert for any of our listeners that have played this, but it's faster. It's not as, because Through the Desert can get a little confusing with all the different camel pieces out there and you're trying to rope off areas. This is streamlined, quick, and, you know, after we get done recording, we can probably get in a game in like 15, 20 minutes. Mm, that box looks like Moana the board game, though. Yeah, that's exactly what Knox said when he saw it. He said, oh, I want to play that Moana game. Like, it looks like that. I mean, that's exactly what they're going for. So good job, Knox. Yeah. Mm, all right. So ranking Kinesias, I mean, is this, uh, I mean, certainly Raw is the best Kinesia game, not modern art. All right, shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it in the tier of Raw in modern art? Or is no, it- it's it's a great family weight game, but I like I wouldn't put it up. I mean, okay. you can put any of those out there, even um, High Society. I would probably play over choose this. over that. That's yeah. a, but again, that's another auction. Like I think he his auctions are really his best games. I oh, just, yeah, 100%. he's definitely well, one the of the things. Of one of the things, and then we can move on. But one of the things that I really like about Kanitsi is that his idea for a lot of games are kind of. I'm going to give you a rule set, but the complexity is going to be in the player interaction, and that's why he shines because because the because the auctions are really what make it a little bit more complex. Yeah. He was uh, the interview that he did on uh, Five Games for Doomsday. Really interesting because, you know, basically said he doesn't play other people's games. He just simply plays his own games because he has so many different games that he's always developing. I found that to be really interesting. Yeah, and it, it didn't come off snooty or anything. He was just like, no. I just have all these games yeah. and I'm play testing them and I'm, you know. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was a good interview. We should move on to Clef's Kickstarter Corner. We've got a special one today, right? We do have a special one. <laughs> Yeah, today's Kickstarter Corner is actually a game that we have had a chance to play. It is called Lovelace and Babbage, and it is from the designer Scott Alms, who was the designer of the Tiny Epic series, and also developed from Jessica Davis from Artana Games. In Lovelace and Babbage, players adopt the roles of 19th century computing pioneers. Each player has their own unique abilities that they may unlock, providing asymmetric gameplay and new challenges. So basically, the game will take place in real time, with players using a grid of mathematical numbers that will have certain functions on them, like plus or minus one or plus or divide or divide by two. They will write the number and the letter from the grid 
that relate to a specific function and then write the result beside the grid location that they've written on their paper. Kind of like almost like using a roll and write pad. Players will try to hit certain numbers on various patron cards that come out each round that will award them influence in different areas which will impact scoring majorities. But if you happen to hit a number where the influence has already been used, you instead only get a sub-routine error, which will basically get you a consolation point. They can also choose to shoot for a number on one of their own personal cards that could help unlock special abilities in following rounds. Now, the great thing about this is both speed and accuracy are both rewarded, so different play styles and levels of ability can all succeed. You play it over four rounds, at the end of which each player will see who had the most influence in each area, and who has gained the most points by their own player cards. And then the player with the most points is the winner. Yeah, so we got this as a as a prototype, basically, sent to us, which was which was lots of fun. The reason that we, we got it sent to us, basically, is you, you, Clef, you got a chance to play it at, at Gen Con, too, right? Yeah, um, actually, one night at dinner, um, somebody had the prototype copy there, and they pulled it out, so we got an opportunity to play it. Uh, it was a really cool game, and I happened to be talking to Jessica that night, and we were kind of going over some of the, th the thoughts on the game. And a couple of weeks later, she ended up emailing us and wanted to know if we would like to do a uh, review of it. And we were I was like, absolutely. It's a really cool game. And yeah, so it's kind of neat to actually have a Kickstarter corner that we've gotten to play and get to talk about. What I really like about this game is that I've used it in a variety of different settings. You've been a party to that, too. We took it to Richie's birthday where there was a whole bunch of people there at, at the function at night. And everybody had a really good time playing it. A, a whole bunch of different people. And and they had a raucous time. Um, we've all played it together, which is really fun because it's fast and furious fun. And you're kind of messing with each other because some of the powers you can get if you hit the numbers can mess with other people. And so then you got to rush because, like, if... I finish before you do, then I get to flip that sand timer. And now you guys are rushing to get the numbers. And yeah, so you're, you're, you're on the clock at that point. Yeah, yeah. Your plans don't quite, you know, don't quite work out, you know, if I, if I rush it. And then the other, the other way I used it was I used it with my son and he's, he's doing, he's eight and he's working through speed math for multiplication and division and all that kind of stuff. And so with him, the way I played it was I turned the patron cards over and then gave him a second and let him kind of start it. And he loved it. You know, it's 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 a great game in that way. Yeah. And that's what I'm excited about using it for with Knox, obviously, when he gets a little bit older. But I was actually worried at first because when you were describing to me, I was like, you know, math. <laughs> Let's play math tonight. Right. <laughs> but it's actually I mean, it's more problem solving than anything else. Well, and, and funny, I mean, that night when we did that that party night, we were showing it to people there. When I first said something, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to be speed math. And everybody looks at me like, uh. and then we show it to them and they get done. They're like, oh, that's not speed math at all. That's like kind of fun trying to just do these quick equations and then you're trying to figure out you know which power you can kind of use i mean it's it's been an instant hit with everybody that we played it with yeah being able to just flip the numbers or jump to a certain number makes it you know more of a puzzle than anything else yeah yeah that's what i would call it a puzzle math almost yeah right so just to give uh give people a little bit of an idea so you can do sort of a rush strategy where you use some of the top two numbers of the grid which are easier functions to use kind of plus or minus one plus or minus 10 but then the grid fills in as you go and there are harder numbers like plus or minus 39 things that aren't as round and they're harder to get to the numbers you want to do but you get bonus points if you get to those numbers by using those lower grids so there's some strategy involved in your 
you're kind of picking and choosing. How do I want to hit these numbers? Do I have time to rush it? And some of the function cards, some of those personal player cards you can get, allow you to do two more functions than everybody else if you hit that card and get to use it the next turn. So that can be good too. But if somebody rushes the end on you, then you you might not get to use you, those. You, you wouldn't even get to use them, yeah. All in all, a really great game in a variety of situations. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, I would take it to a party. I would take it to uh, a game night. I would play it with the family. And like you said, I mean, kids, this could even be, and in fact, our friend Corey, he even wants to take it to a math teacher that he knows as a fun game for you know, her to use for maybe some students to just help them work through some math problems, you know? Right, because Finn didn't pay attention to the fact that he's, he's you know, trying to do math. He's try- He was trying to yeah. get these cards so that he could use them on me and use those powers. You know, that's that's right. really the way the focus works. So Exactly. So when does this drop? When does this uh, Kickstarter drop? It comes drop? out October 2nd. Yeah, so a day before this episode drops right yeah so at this moment we don't know exactly what the price point is going to be or when fulfillment is but when you hear this episode you will be able to head to that kickstarter and find that out and i mean i'm telling right now this is a game that i am automatically even even with the prototype i want to get the nice you know i'm sure there'll be some pretty blingy stuff and some fun kickstarter stuff I'm looking forward to backing this one myself. Absolutely. So let's move on to our feature review of Root. All right. So today we are reviewing Root. Hopefully you all aren't sick of hearing about it by now because I know a lot of people have talked about it. But Root is published by Leader Games and designed by Cole Worley with art by Kyle Farron. And it's a card-driven light ish war game in which people take on vastly different animal species that are vying for control of the forests players win by being the first one to 30 points or achieving a dominance card condition and kind of holding it for one round each group of creatures is extremely asymmetrical from the others but players are generally using multi-use cards either to craft the action on the card for points or abilities or they can use the suit which corresponds to various clearings on the board on the card for movement or extra battling abilities etc and when battling takes place players can declare war on another animal faction in the clearing with them and roll two 12-sided dice numbered from zero to three then the attacker generally gets the higher roll but with some exceptions Just to give you an idea, I'm not going to go into all the rules, but I want to give you an idea of the main differences with each faction. And remember, we've only played the base game. There is an expansion, but for us, we've only played the base game. The Eerie, or the birds, rely on a programming mechanism. So each turn, they're going to stick at least one card into their player board action slots. And each turn, they have to fulfill all the cards that have collected into those action slots. And if they can't, they get extremely penalized. Then the Woodland Alliance is sort of a rebel group who specialize in guerrilla warfare. So they start out with nothing, but they build up by spreading sympathy tokens throughout the forest. And then during these battles, they get to take the higher dice roll every time, no matter if they're the defender or the attacker. Now the vagabond, or the raccoon, or the trash panda, starts out with items of which he is able to acquire more, and he uses these for his actions instead of his cards while while he's exhausting them. He is sort of independent, and he can either 
choose to help or ally or even attack any other faction if he wants to. Then there's the cat faction, lastly, and they are the most straightforward since they kind of start out all over the board and they're encouraged to build buildings that develop resources, to let them build more buildings, and to score points. So that's kind of a general overview with the differences of each faction. Now we will sort of move on to our points in the review. So as always, the first thing we talk about are art and component. Gentlemen, what do you think about the art and components of this game? Uh, it's definitely adorable, and I think that's a <laughs> good word for it. I love, I love, I love Richie saying the words adorable. Yeah, it is <laughs> something about that just cracks me up. But no, it, I love the art in the game. I think, especially with the the fact that it is a mean war game, having that you know aesthetic on it of the kind of cute woodland animals makes it more appealing to some people that would not be interested in a war game. And then on top of it, it they just did a really fantastic job with the actual art i am curious of how many people got this game because of the art it being you know the cutesy little you know cats and birds and you know the cute little panda um or not panda what is he a raccoon <laughs> yeah he's a trash, panda. <laughs> trash panda. okay yeah whatever uh that's right i never heard that term before you told me that before <laughs> um you know it's cool art. I mean, I think it has some neat design. I mean, the meeples are good, strong meeples. All the boards are, are good. It's it's nice. I would say that the art plays against expectations in a really smart way. Now, I will say, just like Richie has said about brass, some people, maybe even people in this room, are going to play this game, <laughs> right, With with that shouldn't probably play this game yeah. because of the art, right? Yeah, the art definitely. and the presentation. But I think the art is so smart. Like I said, it sort of goes against expectations. And I think Kyle Farron's art in this is really smart too. It's all about his use of line. He doesn't overdraw. And those meeples are so great because they're just a, a few simple silkscreen lines on those, but they're so suggestive. And that's, that's really where the heart of it lies for me. The card art is great too. But I will say I, the one complaint that I would have about the art, or I should say the graphic design, is I, I guess there's an expansion that came at the same time as the base game. And it has that river that is on the board. And there were numerous times that we all had to tell each other, no, you can't use that river to move your pieces or whatever. And that happened to all of us. So it wasn't just like one person was making that mistake. And that was hard because there, there is, I mean, it's clear that it's a river, right? But the way that it moves with the other paths and the way that it's set up, uh, none of us was the only one to do this. But it just is easily mistaken. And you plan while you're watching other players and you forget that that's not a path and then it comes to your turn and then you have to just start over with your plan because what you had thought you were going to do you can't do because of that river so yeah i i totally agree and i don't know how they could have made it more clear unless they unless they made it you know like chartreuse or some weird <laughs> color but yeah <laughs> i understand the complaint i don't know if i would want them to change it though because i think that it it goes well with the board and that faction, the the beavers, they sound really cool. So I, I want to play with them. Right. Well, certainly, and I'm sure, I mean, obviously, that brings the price of the, the expansion down because, you know, you've already got the board printed that way. And if you had to do something different, I understand it. It just was one of those things that we continually kind of made that mistake. And when you're thinking really hard and, like you said, trying to plan something out, sometimes that can make you rethink your plans. Right. Now, I had probably the most experience with the rule book. I will say I think the rule book, by and large— 
for a war game was really, really well done. There is a learn-to-play manual, which kind of gets you started. There is another little sheet that's like, here's walking you through your first two turns. And then there's a rule of root or law of root thing that's all the itemized, alphabetized rules, basically, point by point, like you'd see in in a war game manual, basically. And it's all done very well. Which I made the mistake because I was trying to prep before we played it and before you taught me. So I downloaded the rule book and I just downloaded the law of root or whatever. And I was like, this is like reading a dictionary. This is terrible. <laughs> no, but the the learn to play was really good, I thought, because yeah. they walk you through, here are the main things. Here's move, here's battle, here's you know the other things that everybody shares. And then here's your factions and here how, here's how those things are broken. You know, here how here's how the those rules are broken. So I thought it was done really well. Now I will say the walkthrough we didn't play with it, and I didn't feel a need to because I feel like if you teach the factions well enough, and then you help with the thought processes the first round or two of the game mm-hmm. with the other players, then they're gonna get it, and they're slowly gonna understand what they need to do. Now mastering it is a different story, especially depending on the faction. But mm. that I, I thought they did a really good job walking you through it as much as they could with vastly different player yeah. powers. I like the um I like the rule books that have started to do that where they have the rule book of kind of how you play and kind of go through you know the play and yet have the kind of the index or the dictionary where you can go look up specific rules and it's separate. Yeah, I think that's nice to have for reference as you're playing the game is is to go instead of having to look through a big rule book you can go straight to a dictionary dictionary type of thing. So let's move on to gameplay and we'll talk about player count I think within this. I love the gameplay. I think it's superb. Now, I could understand because I would say it's it's almost kind of it's kind of fragile as well because you need the right group for this game. I am not sitting with the right group for this game necessarily, and we'll might get a little more into that when Clef starts talking. But <laughs> I think if you like, I don't I don't necessarily want to play with new people anymore. I want to play with a group of four or five people if you have the expansion that know this game, know it well. Because every time you teach someone new. They are starting from scratch with that with a, a faction that they don't understand, and plus they have to know the other factions, and it, it makes it difficult. And they are a weak link at the table, and if they are not playing well, it, it someone could run away with it easily and easily get destroyed. Yeah, I think that I had to almost 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 babysit our first game because Jake played with us. We played a four player game, and I was trying to show everybody what was possible. And Rich, you were the eerie, and he decided to attack you. And I was kind of trying to say to Jake, "No, no, no, no! Just just let him go into turmoil. In other words, let him try to take his turn with all those cards in the action spots that he won't be able to fulfill, and that'll get him because he's going to win. Otherwise, even if you just attack him, you won't be able to take him out enough. In fact, that's going to help him. And so I think." at when you're playing with new players you're just doing a lot of babysitting because like you said the game is fragile so it it depends on the other players knowing what each faction does and balancing that out so you have to see everybody at the table and know what their power does and know if they're getting close to fulfilling a win condition or what they're trying to do with their faction which can be opaque if you're playing the game for the first time and see i don't and i agree with you as far as you do have to babysit then at the same time, I'm wondering, because usually when you're doing that babysitting, you're kind of directing people, then you are most likely, they're probably taking a turn that's not, you know, the best for them. And then they may be opening themselves up just to another faction to come in and mess them up. 
So I'm wondering if the best way after you teach it is just to let someone fail. And then as they play it, they'll get better at it. I don't know. First thing I'm going to say about the gameplay, okay, because we're just talking about the gameplay itself. I think the gameplay is done very, very well. Okay, especially for a game where you have asymmetrical powers. I think it's brilliant how they all four work together really well. The powers are very equal. I've, at least I have noticed, at least I've, I've just kind of noticed each one of them has at least had a chance to win every one of the games that we have played. Uh, they may not have won every one, but at least pretty darn close. Every, each faction has had a chance to win, right? I've won with every faction. I've come in second place with the Trash Panda. So I, I think it's very well balanced, and I think it's I think Cole Worley did exactly what he wanted to do. Yes, and I think that's kind of the way to look at it. Did did he achieve what he, what he set out to do? And I think he did a really good job of that with this. If you like war games, you're going to like this game so i think we've played this a variety of times i know cleft you've played three times richie four times uh six. Oh, six times okay i played five times um what do you feel like is the best player count richie since you played the most of all of us definitely a four if you can get all four factions in there i think they kind of balance each other out well i don't mind playing it at lower player counts i'll do that i actually i actually did enjoy two player it was kind of more like a chess match than anything else but um i think four is where it shines for sure Right. I was surprised that I actually enjoyed two as much as I did, but I think three and four are great. I like three, two, because your turn comes around a little bit faster. So, and you can still kind of mix it up. The way that they recommend the setup is the cats and the birds have to definitely be in there for a two player game. And then you can kind of choose either the Vagabond Raccoon or the Rebel Alliance Mises, Mices for your for your third faction if you choose to play three and and it's interesting at both i think it's it's hard i've, I've only played the four player version um it seemed like that would be in my opinion probably the best way to play it um possibly the a two-player game wouldn't be bad because you would just be kind of the just you two battling but uh, i think four is probably the way to play this and to give you a sense at two you play the bird faction and the cat faction against each other end the game and then switch and add up your points or wins basically for each side. Actually, you can't you can't win with dominance cards in the two player game. Right. So they you pull that out. you just add both uh, both points from both games, and the total score is is the winner. Now, one issue that I had with the gameplay was the vagabond. The game that when you first played that, Chad, I was the cats and I was crafting lots of items, and other people at the table were crafting lots of items. So you were able to go and do trades with the other players and you had lots of items and you were kind of doing all kind of fun stuff on your turn and having a grand old time, right? When I played the Vagabond, nobody crafted a single thing. And strategy-wise, that's what you want to do when the Vagabond is in the game. You can craft as the Vagabond yourself. And I don't know if you had it. You had to have you a had hammer. one hammer. Yeah. So you can still craft some things. Well, I, I don't even think I had a hammer to start with. Because Not to I was... start with, but you have to go around and search the ruins and then you got okay. a hammer, I think. I understand. But I'm still saying the game I played, nobody crafted anything and of a lot of my turns, there was not much. I mean, I would take my crossbow out and shoot Rich, Richie in the face, and that was about my turn. And it was just really boring to me. I mean, there was just not a lot that I felt like I was able to do. And I was already 10 points behind. I mean, I wasn't coming back. I mean, I wasn't going to win the game. Well, and the interesting thing with the Vagabond, though, is that you can aid other people, and you can also hit your trailer to the you know a winner. Okay, but 
when you're already 10 points ahead of everybody, I can't hitch it to you, and no one else was going to win the game. I know, but you can aid someone. So the whoever's in last, I think it was Josh in that game. Right. Yeah, you basically team up with him, and then you got basically two against the rest of the table. So now I'm playing a co-op game? Well, that is what the, <laughs> that is the way that that game plays. So with him, that's kind of what you have to do. If you aren't going to be in first, then you kind of have to be looking. And, and again, this is why the game takes multiple plays, and you're managing it. And th- that was the one... An only time that you you had played that faction and yeah. so it you run into that with this game you have to kind of take the faction and play it a few times before you really understand what you're what you're wanting to do in this game that, and that for better or for worse that's kind of how this game works and that's why richie was saying i don't know that i want to teach this game to new players because the first game is going to be a learning game they're going to get slaughtered they may cause other people to get slaughtered you know that's that's that right. is the strength or the weakness of this game, depending on how you see it. Right. Yeah, because definitely uh, the first game, you were the Vagabond. And, you know, you're just a little cute raccoon running around. And everyone's just giving <laughs> you stuff. Yeah, I was. And then you realize, oh, you can't give that raccoon things. It's going to turn on you like a real raccoon. So. Right. <laughs> but, right. But, I, I, I mean, it could be because I'm a little bit, I'm slightly cuter raccoon than Clef is. But I, you just, like I said, you oh, learn. Oh, boy. <laughs> You learn how to play the game. But one thing that I would like to talk about before we move on from from gameplay and player count is there is, and I know Clef will want to address this, there is, just like some other war games, a certain amount of randomness and luck that plays into this game. A certain amount? Yes. I will give an example. I played the Eerie, and you can get stuck with bad card draws. Now, maybe you know enough after seven plays of this game about how to plan but you could not get any wild cards the the bird cards are the wild cards and you will be really restricted in what you can stick in your action slots and you can get trapped so if you have to move to a mouse clearing on your turn and everybody is headed off the mouse clearings and you can't get there you're you're in trouble and and you can go into turmoil and i went into turmoil like a couple times almost in a row i think now part of that was bad planning but also you know, you can get really messed up by the card draw in this game. I think he was getting a little pissy when that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, you were terrible as the birds. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that happens though, right? Like you can play this game and you won't, and, and if you're playing poorly, you won't have anything to do on your turn. Well, and quite honestly, the second game we played, I went with a dominant strategy where I got up to 10 points and I had, I don't know, 35 cats in each corner to try to win this dominance card and when it came time for everybody to try which obviously everybody knows i have it and i'm trying to win that way so they come after me and i understand that but both of my or both people that came after me just rolled incredibly well i mean they just they rolled a bunch of three zeros or whatever and i ended up getting and the the moment that i got wiped out the game was over so there was like it didn't even matter that i had more of a force because when you go in, when you roll dice, you get, as the attacker, you get the high number, and then the defender gets the low number. And if you roll well, it's, it's just all over. You just, I mean, I just, I hate that in, in a game. It's, it's just, it's, it's, I'm playing Risk. I don't want to play Risk. Now, in that game, because that was our second game, and once again, we were learning the game, the dominance is there for a catch-up mechanic. That is not there if you are in the lead, which you were at that point. You were in the lead. I understand you had 35 cats on the board, <laughs> but at that point, you needed to go for points. Right. And I agree, and I probably could have, but that's. I'm still not saying the randomness of the dice is still doesn't have anything to do with that. I mean, yes, I could have tried to play it more conservative and just won that way, but I'm just saying, you still in this game, I don't care whatever you say, 
you are still going to have to deal with random dice rolls as part of the game. But there, there's ways to mitigate it. You can craft items that allow you to mitigate the dice rolls. And it's not like the dice are super swinging. It's either, you know, zero, one, two, or three. So if you go in with enough people, you know the max hey, you're going to lose is three unless you get ambushed. Hey, talk to my cats about that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so we kind of got an idea of how luck and and random chance play into the game but let's talk about variability and replayability richie have we played a game with more variability of replayability uh no this is and i mean we still haven't even played the expansion yet which i finally was able to track down a a copy that i could pre-order yeah it's off the charts i mean the just learning the factions in in itself is going to take you you know four or five games to really understand how the different factions work and how they should be played properly. Right. And so that's where the complexity comes in this game. It's not really in the rules. It's learning how to optimally play with each faction. And again, that takes some time. And that I think that that's kind of cool. That's a testament to, to Cole's design there. But that's why this game might not be for everybody. You have to have a group that everybody is committed to this style of game, wants to play it multiple times, and wants to get into it, doesn't mind some of the random nature that comes with war games. And, you know, I, I think that's that's where that plays in. But it, it is very high variability and replayability for this game. I, I know a lot of people that are up into the double digits easily with with this game already it's it's gonna be hard for me to say whether i think because yeah i'm not playing this game again so the variability and replayability for me is is zero uh but that's my own personal opinion and i'm not i mean i think the game is good i can see where it's going to have a lot of great variability and you know like you just said not only when you play it can you play the same faction and try different ways to play it but you can also you get to play multiple other different factions and it's always going to be a different game. So I, you know, in, in all seriousness, yes, I think the variability and the replayability are absolutely there. Okay. So I think it's time to move on to our rating scale. Richie, please give us the Punchboard Paradise rating scale. Sure. So we rate on a six point scale, a one being the game is trash, and maybe you're in there with the trash panda. <laughs> And uh, six being a game that is a contender for one of our top games of all time. So, Chad, how about you get us started? All right. Well, I think this game does a lot of really great things. Like I said, I love the art style. I love the subversive nature of this game. So you talked about the expansion with the beavers where basically they have an open hand of cards. That's how they work. And they're selling their cards to people and using the money. They're the they're the so-called like war profiteers of the group, right? And then you have the cats that are the military industrial complex. And then you have the the proud eerie that kind of have fallen. And you have the Woodland Alliance. They're the rebels, you know, the guerrilla warfare. They're little sympathy token comes in and blows everybody up like a like a bomber or something you know it's really smart because they've done that with really cute art and cute ideas and cute animals so i i just really have to applaud that i think it's i think it's super smart um but for me i have to say i want to like this game more than i do i i bought the game and it already got sold so I have to go with a three. Now, I'm going to play this game again. I want to play it. And, Richie, I'll play it with you sometime. But 
<laughs> we struggled. <laughs> it's not going to get played in this group because we struggled, right? As Richie said to me the other night, it's not fun to play this game with Clef. And <laughs> it's not because Clef doesn't enjoy himself. And I get that. There are games like that. So it's not going to get played in this group. And Richie has a copy and I'll play it from time to time. I won't be able to play it with anybody else. There's just nobody else in my group necessarily. And I don't, re- I've taught it to a bunch of different people and I'm, I'm done teaching it. So. I got to go with a three. I Again, that's my personal feeling on this game. I think, like I said, if you like war games, this game is really well done. I'm not sure that it's for me, but for some people out there, I would, I would recommend you really give it a try because there's a lot of charm to it and a lot of really smart design. Clef, let's, let's hear it. Okay, well, it's no secret that like I don't like this game. And once again, I want to preface that... The game is a good game, and I can, you know, I can tell that it's a good game. It's it's doing exactly what it is designed to do. However, this is my I'm giving you my rating and my opinion. I mean, I'm not gonna say a one, even since I mean it's darn close to it for me because I would literally, if I had this game, I would trash it and throw it away. I mean, I'm never going to play it again. Whoa, whoa, though. That that means tr- trash it and burn it means that there's no redeemable qualities. For the me, that is that is it. And I'm t- So I'm telling my audience, okay, the people who are listening for my opinion and are, you know, in the same world as I am, I am telling you right now, this game is a one. That's me. Now, as the game itself, you know, I'm, it, I don't know. It could be a three. It could be four. I don't know. But I'm telling you right now, I'm sorry. I I, I got to give it a one. I have to give this game one. Oh, I will never play it again. If you say to me, hey, you know, this person wants to No, I'm not playing it. I'll go play Ganjan Clever on my phone while you guys are playing it or something. I mean, you can give it what you want. I'm reading our, our rating scale, though. It's two is I don't like at all, but could be a game others would enjoy. Well, they could, but it also could be terrible. So I'm just going to say one. Trash it, burn it, throw it away. Hey, that's a first. Uh, That is a first. Uh. I've gone from Newton and Brass sixes (laughs) to one. Oh, my gosh. Hey, this is my opinion, okay? And that's, uh, like I said, other people may love this game, and if you like war games, it could be for you. I'm giving you my opinion, and it's a one. Richie? Bring it, bring us up. All right. I would say, good thing we ended with me. <laughs> so, um, yes, it, and, you know, I can't even give Clef a hard time because I understand that this is just not his type of game. And it is something that you have to be careful with this game because it is super mean. And, I mean, a lot of times, like when we play other games and there's some type of take that, like uh, Chad and Clef, like when they have to remove your piece, they'll kind of, you know, sheepishly give it back to you and say sorry and hand it to you. You can't play with people like that. <laughs> you can't. I'm going to flick the piece at you. I might throw it on the floor behind you. And that's the type of player that you need in Root because it is a mean game. And it, I know it looks cute and cuddly, but it's a mean game. But it's a fun game if you are into mean war games. So. Uh, for me, it's a five. It's a superb game. I think it is something that I will be playing for a while. I have a group um, that I can play this with, and I, you know, I can even once I get the expansion, me and Chad will will find someone else to to get in there. Josh will probably play with us again. Sure, he will. <laughs> so, uh, if you have a group to play with, go out and get it. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. 
for our review of Root. If you weren't paying attention, that's a three from Chad, a one from Clef, and a five from Richie. All right, so fellas, since we had such a good time, I feel like the other night when we did the board game Linky, uh, I got another one of those prepared. You guys ready for that? Oh, yeah. I won that. Definitely. All right. Good. Okay. So here we go. I got about four of them here. So we'll see how this goes. Now, I- I'm going to say right up front that I would recommend listening a little bit to some of these rather than shouting, shouting out on the first or second. <laughs> All right. So okay. see what you got. All right. So here's the first one. There's going to be four in each of these here. So. This game has trading in the Mediterranean and is from the designer of Imperial. This game has trading in the Mediterranean and is from the designer of Imperial. Okay, go on to the second clue, please. <laughs> All right. Say, yeah. All right. That's that's number one. Number two, this 2016 release features cattle and cowboys. This 2016 release features cattle and cowboys. Okay. All right. Yep, yep. Moving on to number three. One of the earlier worker placement games, this one has a mechanism centered around moving the provost. One of the earlier worker placement games, this one has a mechanism centered around moving the provost. All right. <laughs> I'm looking at Clef because this is going to be a Clef answer okay, well, I mean, He should yeah, know this. Okay. He should All know right. that. Well, but I don't know what the link is yet, right. so continue yeah. on. Okay. Yeah. You got to think outside the box, so to speak. I'm, so, I'm, number I'm four. trying to think like your mind would. That's that's what's tough. All right. Well, <laughs> calm down. Number four. Recently rethemed and reprinted as Gunkimono, this game is set in a pastoral scene. Recently rethemed and reprinted as Gunkimono, this game is set in a pastoral scene. Um, you got a guess? Look like you have a guess. I mean, hold on. Let me think about this. No, I don't have a guess. <laughs> Is there a clue? I said, think outside the box, literally. Does that, <laughs> that help you out at all? Um, think outside the box. All right. Well, I'm just going to talk out loud because okay. I'm nowhere near getting this. Okay. Well, uh, okay. So, so do you know what was the, f- the last one? Right. Heartland was the last one. Montana was the second one. No. 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 Great Western Trail. Was oh, the Great Western one. Trail. Okay. Uh, the third was, one was uh, Kalis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew that. I don't know what the first one was. No, what was the first clue again? This game has trading in the Mediterranean and is from the designer of Imperial. <laughs> really narrows it down. I don't know who designed Imperial, know, yeah. so I don't, I don't know, know that answer. That either. Oh, the designer of Imperial is Matt Gertz. Okay, so that's Concordia. Okay. So Concordia, All great games Western. in our top ten. That's not outside the box. It's literally outside the box. Every time he says that, all I can think is Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, they used to have the campaign, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, think outside the... Uh, okay, anyways. Think um, of your stomach again. Box. Could use a cheeseburger. Weird right box sizes. Um, oh, you're close. I'm just I'm sorry. I'm going to give it to you. Ugly box art. All ugly box art. I disagree. Great Western Trail is not, I don't care what Becky says, <laughs> it, it is not <laughs> ugly yes, box art. That box it art looks, is ugly. It's very nice. I know it's that this is subjective, but we've all talked about these box covers and how boring and ugly they are. Uh, all four of those have been talked Concordia, about. Concordia, definitely. What yep. was the last one again? 
uh, Heartland. Oh, I don't yes, know yeah, what, yeah. And, yeah. and Kalis. Gotcha. We've What's all wrong with Kalis? We've talked about all these. That grumpy guy on the front that's just l- staring off. Guy is beautiful. Of, oh, get out of here. I, I, yeah, I don't know if Kalis falls into it. Yeah. Because Kalis is just standard Euro. That's a beautiful boxer. Euro guy. All right, all right. <laughs> I don't know about beautiful. <laughs> uh, moving on. Okay, here we go. This one, number one, this is a popular re-implementation of Tom Lehman's multi-use card game. This game is a popular re-implementation of Tom Lehman's multi-use card game. Number two, one of the designers of this farming game with many different mechanisms now goes by the name Ode or O-D-E. One of the designers of this farming game with many different mechanisms in it now goes by the name Ode. You know you're writing these for me and Clef, right? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what any of these first two clues are, so. (laughs) Gosh, you guys are awful. All right. Number three, don't get behind in faith. This game is from 2016. I'm sorry, don't get behind in what? In faith faith points. Don't get behind in faith points in this game in, from 2016. Sweet, hey, I know that I one. I finally know one. <laughs> Good. Number four, BGG credits the year on this game as 1800, and a variant of it is essentially played in the Pirates of the Caribbean series. BGG okay. credits the year on this game as 1800. This is going to turn into a co-op, Clef. Me and you got to work together. I got yeah. the last two. I'm, I'm with you, Richie. Let's just try to figure these out. Yeah, the last one okay, was well, so, Liar's last one was Dice. Like, okay, Liar's yep. Dice. Okay. So the one before, obviously, was Lorenzo Will Magnifico. Yep. Richie's number one game, my number two game of all time. And there's no link between those two things. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, they both they both have dice. <laughs> they Yeah, they both have dice. Okay. So let's, okay, give us clue one again. Let's see if we can figure this out. This is a popular re-implementation of Tom Lehman's multi-use card game. Who's Tom Lehman? Is that the Tramways guy? No. Tom Lehman is a very- Oh, is that the Dice Tower guy? No. No, no, it's not. <laughs> Tom Lehman is a very famous designer who designed one of one of the original kind of big multi-use card games. Magic the Gathering. <sighs> no, that was Richard Garfield. I know that one. Um, Tom Lehman. And there Why was a dice version of it. That, there's so many dice versions it's of things. Dice. Multi-use card game. It's space-themed. Oh, okay. Um, Race for the Galaxy. Okay, race. Is that correct? Well, the re-implementation. Oh, roll for the galaxy. There you go. Well, so far we've got a bunch of dice. Yep. Um, <laughs> okay, what's the second one? Give me the second one. One of the designers of the farming game with many different mechanisms, meaning it's kind of sewn together, many different sort of disparate mechanisms, that now goes by the name Ode, O-D-E. I got farming game. I got no clue. All right, farming games with a lot of uh, mechanisms. Uh, Fields of Arl. Well, we don't who that. I don't think Uwe goes by Ode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, right. Oh, what's the uh, what's there's the member? Oh goodness, what's that game that you you built among the stars? And there was a farming version of it. Is that yeah? That that is called uh, Fields of Green, and that is incorrect. It's La Granja. The oh, number two is La Granja? Yes. Well, it's all got dice. It's all and it, got dice. And it all has dice that... That's you're right. It's, that you they're roll. all games. You roll. With you lots roll of the dice. dice. Yeah. All, all games, games where you dice. roll the dice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Richie, we're two what, for what's two. The hint? Give me that. That was it. I just said it. 
Oh, what? Yeah, it was that dice was, games. They're that's all, it. Oh, all dice, dice games. All games with dice. lots of dice in them. <laughs> Your linkies, they always go from like super hard. <laughs> to like <laughs> basic average. <laughs> I'm loving you them, Chad. You Chad, it. I'm loving them. Keep it coming. Who Keep it coming. Uh, who got the point? I spent a lot of work on these. <laughs> Me and you were co-op. Yeah, we're just co-op. This is a co-op. Right, this is a co-op no, no, game. No, come on. We got two right, more. You guys we'll try. actually be okay. competitive here. Who, maybe our audience has gotten both of these. I already. hope yeah, so. I, for I goodness so. sakes. Right. I hope we have a smarter audience. Jake, All right. Jake do you have, did you get the first two? Okay. I'm, so right. here we go. <laughs> Number one, a game with zombies by publisher Plaid Hat Games. Oh, I know that I know one. That you guys one. got okay. that. Okay. So that's dead of winner. Oh, sorry. We're not playing co-op right now. Yeah. Quiet. So, and you're not, you're giving it to our audience too. Okay. So. Number two, this game deals in Arthurian legend and plays up to seven players. Okay, I'm there. Okay. All right, this game deals in Arthurian See, legend. I want to throw out an answer, but I think it's almost too easy. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say Linky. Okay. I'm going to say cooperative games where there is a traitor involved. That is correct. All right, Woo! Well, I'm giving myself a point in my head because that's where I answered it <laughs> first. <laughs> All right, we'll still play co-op. We're still tired. <laughs> no. uh, just to see. Let's see if you can get these last two, just to okay. see what the game was. The second one was Shadows Over Camelot. Right, right? Yep. Okay. In 2008, this sci-fi game based on a popular TV show was released to great Battle acclaim. Battlestar Galactica. Yep. 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 And number four, this game of lawmen and outlaws was originally a card game and became a dice game. Bang the dice game. Correct. Ah. Woohoo! We got one. Hey. <laughs> okay, Clef with a questionable point, which I will rescind from him because he said Fields of Arl, assuming that Uva Rosenberg goes by O D E. Anyway, uh, here's our last one. Uh, this vibrantly colored game is named after a famous Renaissance patron. This vibrantly colored game is named after a famous Renaissance patron. Okay. I'll give you a hint. I know for a fact that you both have played it, by the way. Okay. Number two. This game was reprinted and rethemed with a Vikings theme by Eggerspiel and Stronghold Games in 2016. This game was reprinted and rethemed with a Vikings theme by Eggerspiel and Stronghold Games in 2016. I know that one. Okay. Do you know the link? <laughs> no. I just know the game. <laughs> okay. Well, there's time. Here we go. Okay, Number okay. three. 2004 game by Rudiger Dorn with an orange box cover. It's a 2004 game by Rudiger Dorn with an orange box cover. I know the designer. Does that count? Uh, that's something, I guess. I think I've heard the name. Okay. All right, here's your last one. This game by Francis Tresham is subtitled Railways and Robber Barons. This game by Francis Tresham is subtitled Railways and Robber Barons. I know that one. I do not. Do you have an idea as to the link? The second one was Jorvik. Correct. Okay. What, what's that last one? 1846? No, it's 1830. Oh, okay. Sorry. 1846, <laughs> 1846 was designed by Tom Lehman, actually. Okay. Oh, yeah, the Dice Tower guy. Okay. Um. <laughs> Uh, so we have 1830. We have Jorvik, which is Jorvik. a Stefan Feld game. Yeah. Originally Spikerstad. Okay, yeah, so that's what, was, what it is. What actually. was the third one? The third one is a 2004 game by oh, Rudiger Dorn no with idea. an orange box cover. I have no idea. 2004. Three letter word. I don't even think I was born at that point. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Never mind. All right. 
<laughs> what was the first clue. one? Let's go back to the first one. Uh, this vibrantly colored game is named after a famous Renaissance patron. Fresco? Who? Who's named Fresco? Could you? I don't know. <laughs> Could you tell me a guy that's named Fresco? Yeah, Johnny Fresco. Oh, Johnny Fresco. Johnny Fresco. Oh, God. I've been up since 4.30 a.m. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> Five o'clock. Look, look, so you hey, got me by a half Mi- hour. <laughs> it's Medici. Medici. Okay, we no, just played okay. that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we did just play that. Yeah, exactly. I own that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and number uh, three. Linky. Auction games. Yes. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, yeah, guys. That was that was painful. I'm what was the orange box cover? It was Goa. A... No, God, I've never played. I almost ordered that the other day from Germany. <laughs> well, great. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I was a Rudiger Dorn though. Uh, all right, so I get to take a game out of Richie's collection. Uh, I, don't, that, I, don't, I don't think you guys get. No, anything. I don't think we get anything for that. <laughs> Everybody is dumber for having listened to this, and I award you no points. May God have mercy on your souls. Hey. Listeners don't listen for our knowledge. They, well, I don't know why they listen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, (laughs) we better end this episode quickly. (laughs) All right, guys. So if you're still listening, if you still want to listen to us after this, you can contact us on Instagram at Punchboard Paradise. We are on Twitter at at Punchboarders. We are on Facebook at a Punchboard Paradise group. And you can send us emails if you want at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. We're also on Board Game Geek at Guild 3227. And we always put up different uh, posts on that. So you guys can also come over and yell at Clef for giving a one to root. But that's. Oh, don't forget about Slack. Don't forget about oh, Slack. Oh, that's right. Yes, we do have a Slack channel where we talk about games and talk about how wrong everybody is about games and how wrong Clef is and how wrong Chad is and all that kind of good stuff and have a good time just chatting with each other. So if you want to be on our Slack chat group, hit us up, uh, drop an email to punchboardparadise at gmail. All right. And next episode, the Punchboarders will review Lowlands. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Good night. Thanks for listening. <laughs>